Previously on the Galactica Quorum. I'm beginning to think that when they go to this place and they find it, they will turn up or it will be revealed that the first skin job factory or the first experiments are on this place. That's my prediction. I feel like they're going to go there, find something, and in typical Battlestar fashion, the intel will just be chucked aside without them bringing it back or will be destroyed. For once, the Swordmaker's daughter, maybe she is a kick-ass. Maybe she's the one. Actually, that's a good spin if she was actually the one that all the stories are written about. Maybe the final five were actually born. Here it comes, the big roundhouse kick. <laughs> Boom! Get a little more creative, people. What a spineless piece of crap. Hello, and welcome to the Galactica Quorum. This is show 28. In this episode, we're going to talk about the final Razor minisode. I'm Brian, and joining me today is... Michelle. And Dimitri! <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> when I ask for enthusiasm, he delivers it in spades. You were really holding that in, weren't you? Yeah. He's he like, was, I can't wait. He was so quiet for like the last 90 seconds. I'm like, what, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> okay. We have a website. It's called galacticaquorum.com. And we have an email. It's gquorum at gmail.com. G-Q-U-O-R-U-M. Our voicemail number, which is been sadly underused in the last month or so, is 206-350-6756. Please visit our website. Uh, hopefully we're going to have a brand new spanking look to our website with... It's uh, not a drastic change. No, not but. really. <laughs> but there will be spanking. There will be spanking involved, yes. Uh, it has forums, we have a tip jar, and just come on and join the fun. I think we have something new to bring up. We have a contest. We do. Uh, we are going to be running a contest with a website. It's called BattlestarOnline.com. They sell t-shirts, Battlestar-related stuff, such as, you know, Starbuck t-shirts and Apollo and whatever else you can get. So we're going to do a contest with them. And basically what it is, is you send an email to our contest at GalacticaQuorum.com email address. One entry per day. Thank you. We're going to start running it from now until the end of November. And at the end of November, we will announce on the site who the winner is. But like I said, one entry per day. If you enter more than once per day, I will throw you, will you out. <laughs> and basically what you're going to win is you're going to win a $25 gift certificate to the BattlestarOnline.com website and a Starbuck t-shirt. I will post images and whatnot on the new website. So... You'll find that on our website. I will post links. All right. As I mentioned, we're going to talk about Razor Minisode number seven. Okay. Here's what I find really interesting. The Cylons requested that Lee be on Galactica. Yes. That is very interesting. It wasn't that he just happened to get assigned to it. It's that they actually requested he be there. Yeah, I thought that too. One of the things we mentioned in the previous podcast was... How much of that seemed orchestrated that they knew the fleet movements of the fleet and they knew all the deployment schedules and now they've orchestrated or it seems like they have orchestrated to have the Adamas together on the, the Galactica. It's almost like they're pulling some strings to make that happen. That was weird. What was weird about it? Well, just like what you said, well, like why would they request Lee to be on the ship? And then how long had he been crashed on the planet? He was on the planet, let's say... 
he fought the Cylon, and then he walked over to the tub of tank and stuck his hand in there, saw a flashback, and then went to the door, opened it up, and saw some humans. He couldn't have been there more than a half an hour. And then his fall from the sky, let's say that took 15 minutes. So I'll round it out to an hour. There was a gargantuan battle going on. I mean, a total annihilation of everything. And in, within an hour, a, a treaty is signed. Yes. Well, you could... Seems that's quick. That is quick. But you could say that in times of war, like sometimes the word doesn't get out that a treaty has been signed and like fighting continues in some parts of the True that. of the theater. Like in World War II, there's little engagements that still happen even after the ink was signed on the battleship. So uh, his first mission in the Cylon War was his last mission. Yeah, I thought that too. Was, that was weird. They made it sound like he had done more than just one engagement. Yeah. Where he had fought a couple sorties at least. This basically had one combat mission. So I guess they're slightly rewriting history a bit. It could have happened. I mean, could this this was his first flying mission, but he could have been on the Galactic and doing other things before he got his wings to fly combat mm-hmm. missions. He's training to be a pilot, but before you get your wings to be a pilot, maybe he was just a normal soldier. I just find it odd that his last flight mission, I mean, his first combat flight mission during the war was his last. It just seems, I could have sworn he had done more than that during the war. Overall, what did you... Fracker. Did you like the minisodes? Yeah, I liked the minisodes. I was uh, I was impressed that they actually uh, spent the time and resources to do some CGI, which was really well done. I really liked them. I thought they, we talked about it before, but the old ships and the costumes, they spent a lot of time making those look like they really fit in with the whole universe that they've created. And uh, the story, you know, moved on very quickly, but it still was, was a really good story. Yeah. The limitations were pretty tight. They only had like two minute chunks to move a story along. I thought they did a pretty good job. Maybe they'll take that um, pretty good move story along in a short bit of time and use it on the <laughs> in the season. Well, that's what I, I kind of wondered. You know, I would give this minisodes about a A minus B plus. I thought it was really well done. But what's the one thing that was missing from this? Did you notice? Like the heavy characterization and all the, the drama? Yeah. None. The soap opera was missing. Yeah, we, we, I don't Did think anybody that? missed that at all. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so we need it. I wish that they would just take that lesson and carry it over to the season. Well, you're going to need a little bit of that during well, the sure. season. Yeah. Because you're going to need, like, you know, Chief Terrell totally freaking out about being a Cylon and the drama between him and Callie because, you know, Callie hates the toasters. So. Well, Chief hates the toasters. Yeah, but now that he is, well, he's not really a toaster, but now that he is a Cylon. I'm sure his opinion is going to change a little bit because he doesn't have hard feelings towards Sharon. So, I don't know. I'm interested to see how Callie reacts to it. We also don't know what kind of Cylons they are. I mean, they're the five, but we clearly we've talked over and over that they're not the same model as the Leobans and those guys because they would know about it. No, I just think they're an earlier generation of them. Um, I don't think they're an earlier generation either because based on those minisodes... When uh, Adama's looking at that table and there's like flesh and and metal all put together, kind of this gross mixture, those were the early versions. An early version cannot look identical and unrecognizable as a second generation. I mean, it should be more... But it's been 40 years. They've had 40 years to play around with this. But what I'm saying is that, exactly, they've had 40 years, so uh, Leoben should be better put together than which he is. He's very human-looking. 
the chief can't be the same model. He looks like the same model. He doesn't look like a previous version, you know? So this also brings back my, um, what's the coincidence of the fact that the, all of the final five are in the fleet right now? Right. That's been a beef of mine for a long time, and I'm waiting to see how they explain the improbability of, of the remaining survivors that all the final five yeah, because I mean, ragtag fleet of only forty some thousand people. But. Obviously, the Cylons that we know they have some sort of plan for like the Adamas, but they've always said all along that they don't know who the final five are, right? If the final they five are them. Cylons and they didn't know they were Cylons, then it's just as plausible that they have some sort of programming in them that they don't know about that unconsciously drives them to be in a certain place for a certain reason. They may not know why they, you know, like chief, he could have been uh, a chief of some sort of hangar and in, in some sort of base on the planet. And for some reason, he's got this drive in his head. It's like, you have to be on the Galactica, you have to be on the Galactica, you have to be on the Galactica. He's like, I don't know why, but I, damn it, want to be on the Galactica. Yeah. I can buy that for the military people because they are assigned to a post and maybe they requested a post to be on the Galactica or, like you said, just subliminally they made it so that the path for them to be there led them to that position. But for, like, Tori and Anders, like, Anders was on a planet that was nuked and he had, you know, there was this guerrilla warfare. And but also, again, he was on a planet that was nuked and it was a guerrilla warfare and he was never killed. So maybe he's got some sort of Back here, he's got some sort of second entity that's... Well, that's not going to stop a bullet. <laughs> the second entity is not going to be a force field that's going to stop a bullet or a radiation maybe, blast. Maybe the reason the Cylons we know about don't talk about the other Cylons is because the other Cylons were their masters or something. Or they treated them poorly. Or somehow they controlled them. So they don't talk about them because it's a taboo. So maybe Anders, even though he's on this planet with all these humans, he's waiting for a rescue that he knows is going to come because his Cylon friends in her conscious mind, Starbuck, is going to come for him. And Yeah, see, I'm flip-flopping on that whole Starbuck thing. Just because of the fact that, what is his name, Doral? Or right. That he said that he requested leave. The only and thing, I'm not totally the only thing that comes back for Bell. me is the Leoban line from season one where he whispers to Roz and Adama's a Cylon. And he was like, is that just to do a mind job on her? Or is it Adama? Or is it Lee? Or is it, you know... I think we talked about this once before. It's like, how does Adama, the elder, see his son be born? And, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, how does the son possibly be uh, the fifth Cylon unless well, you, Adama, you can clone, I don't know. You can, you can clone him and then kill the the real one and, and you have the replacement. True, but... I mean, they resurrect themselves all the time over and over and they look identical to the previous version, so... You could just clone him, and then maybe he is the Cylon. Wait, maybe the Final Five were actually born. They were born to people, but they're they're like hybrids, or yeah, they're They're like yeah, they're mutants. There's a strain again. Back to my cyclical theory that things happen over and over again, and in the past, the Cylons were the humans and whatever. Maybe there's like a strain of Cylon in humans that once every few generations pops up, and it's uh, you're born as a Cylon, but you're really ooh, and that'd be weird. I hope that the season ends with them actually getting to Earth, and I would love it if the Earth is just one gargantuan metal ball. Like the Borg. Like a Borg sphere <laughs> with, with mercury rivers and lakes, and it's just covered in silence. I think it should be the, they should get there, and it's the old original series Cylon with the multiple eyes on their head. Yeah, with the big pointy yeah. head with the glitter. It's, yeah, <laughs> that's what it should be. 
it would be one big metal sphere with a big red light going boom, yeah. boom, around, <laughs> around, around the equator. Right, that's cool. So Adama is the guy who discovered the Cylon experiments. Kind of a coincidence, unless they're, again, trying to fit it in with the Doral thing, and as they seem to be implying. I can buy that. The only problem is they already had Adama coincidentally be involved before with when he had that episode with Kiro, where he thinks that he single-handedly started the Cylon War. It's making him a little bit too much of the linchpin to me. I wish they would have not done the hero episode connection, and this one alone would have stood alone by itself. The other thing I thought was, uh, did Adama not get debriefed after they picked him up in a raptor? And like, oh, what'd you see? Uh, no, nah, don't worry about it. If the war is over, let's have a, let's have a beer. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, how is it that you know you go in and you see the stuff, and oh, they did this, and he obviously made a leap of logic. They did this. They're experimenting on people. Ooh, what could they possibly be doing that? And so why are they surprised later on when they find out that there's human-looking human looking Cylons? So to me, that is a bit of a flaw. They should have sent a team in to scour every inch of the facility. The Cylon that he killed that landed in the facility, if that one was indeed one that was bleeding, they should have like did an autopsy on that thing and been like, oh, this thing's got a circulatory system. Uh, just another example of intel that they're throwing away. Yeah. And, and along those lines, when season four happens... They better not have something where they are surprised. I'm talking about Adama and the human fleet. They shouldn't be surprised that there's a final five Cylons. Because Athena should have totally done an intel dump of her own about, okay, guys, I'm with Yuga now. Here's everything I know about the Cylon culture. Mm-hmm. There's this thing, there's this final five Cylons, and there's blah, blah, blah. And We don't talk about them. I don't know anything about yeah. them, but there's this but final it shouldn't, five. But it shouldn't be like, oh, I forgot to tell you. There's final five Cylons, and one of you might be them. <laughs> Thanks. Would Just been... like I was. Yeah. Mm. So I really hope that that uh, doesn't happen. Just about the effects one more time. I want to bring up the effects. I think it was the third webisode that had the super battle. Yeah. That was so amazing. It's almost a shame that it'll show up on the DVD eventually when they put this thing out. But it's not that they wasted the money on that because it was awesome. But just the fact that most people, I think, are probably not going to see Razor on the DVD. They're probably going to watch it. They might see it later. But I wish that they would take that same amount of budget and use it somewhere along the line in the season four. I agree. I mean, if it's clearly a people drama, the series. But it is sci-fi and it's on the sci-fi channel. It would be nice if they had some more. I mean, I was so jazzed when they were on that planet and uh, the Cylons were in charge and the Galactica dropped out of the sky. I mean, that was like one of the coolest right. things in CGI. Fun for me of all time. There's the one Ron Moore podcast for the Hand of God episode, the one where they attack the mining facility and Lee has to go into the trench and all that. And he called it his Big Mac episode. Because it was just a really nice, juicy bit of CGI and us of action. And he said, once in a while, we got to give... Sometimes you just want a Big Mac. And that's fine. But I don't need to have a Big Mac every episode. Right. It may be like a quarter pounder every three or four. <laughs> just a, a little bit more than a string of episodes where they do nothing but walk the halls of the Galactica and, and, talk. and simmer and glare at each other sometimes and yeah. get all huffy. You guys want to move on to a couple other non-Battlestar topics? Yes. All right. Sure. What would you like to bring up first? I'll let you decide. Heroes? Heroes? Heroes, sure. Okay. Well, because Dimitri hasn't watched... The Woman of Bionics. Yeah, thank you. And I have so many things to bitch about. 
on Bohannon Kuhlman. But I'll wait. You can, no, you can you go can, ahead. You can go no, ahead. No, but you haven't seen the episode. By the time this episode. airs, it'll people have, will have seen it. And, you oh, know. she's concerned about me. I'm concerned because he hasn't I mean, seen what, the what happens? Does she turn out to be... It can't be that much of a spoiler. No, it's not. It's just the fact that I feel... And I'm sure a lot of people agree with me. And I know Dimitri's wife agrees with me that it's turning into Alias. And if you're going to do it like Alias, you might as well just get Jennifer Gardner and get it over with because it would be so much better with her. Well, another thing that Jennifer mentioned is that in Alias, or, or you were saying it yesterday, is that the love thing she's having with the FBI guy. It's very similar to the relationship with Jennifer Gardner's character and Michael Vaughn character. Because yeah. they're from two different agencies. In the beginning, they're from two different agencies. And she kind of like crosses over and is working with the CIA or, yeah, is working with the CIA to go against this agency that she works for. So they develop this relationship and whatever, and they're from two different agencies. Well, that's exactly what's going on in Bionic Woman. They're from two different agencies and they're working together and they're developing this little love thing. And it's just get a little more creative, people. Michelle has said early uh, last week, and I don't know if we actually talked about it in a podcast. I don't recall now, but that uh, she should just have a, had a British accent. I was not convinced at first when you said this, but then watching the next episode, I think that maybe you're right that she acts. Her acting is better it is. with her natural accent than having to concentrate on forcing an American English accent. Because, I mean, what does it add? I mean, it doesn't add or detract. Who cares if she's from England and she lives in, in Seattle yeah, it's or whatever? Just, it seems like she's able to deliver her lines better and more convincingly when she uses her natural accent. But as an American accent, it's not coming across. Like, like, the emotions are really not coming across. It's flat. And Yeah. And if we're going to talk about emotions, and talked about this before, but I'm just going to reiterate, I really don't like the dynamic with her little sister. I totally it's, agree. It's overplayed. Like, every show in the U.S. Right. has a bratty little sister. And I don't understand. We're smart enough to, uh, yeah. as a society, to accept a deaf girl yeah. sister. Her angst would have been genuine. I can't hear, and nobody understands me screw all the world, then the anger there would make sense. She goes skiing, supposedly, but she's in the hospital getting, you know, bionicized. She comes home, it would be a legitimate concern for the deaf sister to be like, where were you? I can't do this stuff by myself. But this bratty little sister, your big sister disappears for a while? Are you kidding me? House party. I mean, who's going to complain? Yeah. Well, here's my thing. The other thing. And the hacker thing, too. Yeah, the hacker thing. The first episode, she's not allowed to have a computer, and he, she hangs this computer outside her window, and her sister's freaking out. Oh, you can't have a computer. Do I hear a computer? And I get the whole, it's ironic. She's a hacker, and her sister's a bionic woman, so she's got a computer. I'm going to give away something from the, the no, previous... Ahead. Okay, this previous episode... Her sister throws a house party because, you know, Jamie's away. So she throws a house party. She gets all pissed off at everybody got that got invited because she didn't invite them. She drank a little. She goes outside. She backs the car up, gets arrested. She gets arrested, and yet they don't keep her. But doesn't she have a previous record for being a hacker? Yeah. yeah. She broke parole. I don't understand. I'm so confused by that whole thing. Yeah. It's and, inconsistent. Well, another thing that was inconsistent... Some shows don't have it, and it's okay. Like uh, the Star Trek shows, Quantum Leap. I mean, things like that. Every episode was very standalone-ish, and they had very light arcs. But in a show like this, where they're definitely building characters from week to week, 
Jamie goes on that rescue mission to rescue the guy with the disc a few weeks ago. And uh, she goes with Grey's Anatomy guy. And she totally goes against him and saves the computer disc stealer. And they have this fight and total betrayal and untrust of a team member and stuff. And then the next week, like it never happened. I mean... Well, there should be some pissed off. There should be some reprimand. I was joking with you guys yesterday. They should have turned her right arm off. I mean, they turned a couple <laughs> of fingers off so they dangle there and she can't use them. You know? Yeah. We're talking with Michelle yesterday, too. When she's going after her sister and there's that she's running really fast down the dark meat market alley and it's raining or it's wet and she jumps over the fence and she hurts her toe. What kind of woman in America runs with uh, knee-high, high-heeled boots? In the rain. Or anywhere. Nobody. If this Jamie person has said, okay, I am what I am now. I'm bionic. I have these nano people inside me, and they're fixing me, these little nano elves fixing my shoes (laughs) in the nighttime. (laughs) And clearly, her left arm is holding her back. You know, she's fighting, and she gets hit, and she's like, ow! Well, why not? What harm is it if... Theoretically, she's going to die in five years anyway because of the technology. What does it matter if you give her a new left arm? Just give her a new left arm so she's completely 100% bionic. I agree. It's a hindrance. And they constantly bring it up about being a hindrance. They constantly bring it up. Give her a new arm. The nanos will take care of healing her. And then she's a fully functional cyborg robot. Well, they might be trying to draw a comparison between her and the Katie Sackhoff bionic woman because... That's what the Katie Sackhoff one did. She replaced all her parts, sounds like voluntarily. And so maybe they just want to draw a distinction between one wants to retain her humanity as much as she can and one doesn't. And I guess I agree with you, but you know, I well, guess then, it gives her at least one Achilles heel because otherwise, we've mentioned this before, she has too many powers. Like the bionic, she's got the Matrix-like thing that helps her learn Kung Fu and too many things. Maybe just well, then, this one thing will be what holds her back. Right off of your thing that... Then use that. Have a scene. It doesn't have to be a long scene. Three minutes. Give me three minutes, five minutes. Do uh, a thing where maybe she comes in after a mission and her left arm is broken, you know, like cracked and she needs a cast or whatever. And then a bald guy comes in and says, hey, listen, since you're working for us, blah, 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 we want to give you a bionic left arm so you don't get hurt. And she can say, no, 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 I don't want that. I want to retain a part of my humanity. Mm-hmm. There you go. Boom. Done. Yeah. I mean, just... <laughs> It's so easy. That was like six lines of conversation. It'll right. take TV time. It'll take a minute. Yeah. And you could stick it anywhere. Or stick it at the end of a mission. Or like, she was fighting somebody recently and they hit her in the arm and she was like, ow. You know, <laughs> bruise her or break her arm. Or, don't break her arm. Just bruise her. And, and the next time she's in the uh, bunker and she's walking through, she could be wearing a tank top with this huge black bruise and they can have that same conversation. She then says, no, no, I want to be you. Well, here's my other thing. And I know Brian and I have talked about this before, and I know it's one of your gripes. How come she doesn't just, you know, use the bionic, like, in a fight? Why yeah. does she just, like, hit him with a hand, that's it, that's the end of the fight? Why does right. she have to, like, fight There's for a couple like minutes? There's always, like, a three-minute fight scene where she's wailing on someone, and they're wailing back, and she's blocking, and this and that. And then you're like, okay, here it comes. Here comes the big roundhouse kick, and... <laughs> Boom! And the guy flies, and he goes into a cabinet, and it falls down on him. It's like, why don't you do that to begin with? You can save yourself and everybody else all kinds of problems. And to add to that, the first episode with Katie Sackhoff, and the floor is just covered in pools of blood. I mean, they set the stage to say, you know, we're not holding back on the show. We're going to, if it's gory, we're going to show it to you because it pushes the story along. If she's fighting with these guys in her high heel boots, 
with a high heel and she kicks them, <laughs> there should be blood coming out because, you know, I mean, you get kicked in the face with a high heel boot, it's going to rip your yeah. skin right off your face. They don't seem to have the mechanics of the fighting down. She's sparring with uh, the Asian guy and the Grey's Anatomy guy and supposedly she's going all out, but realistically, if one connection to them would send teeth flying out of their mouth and it's not it's like and how come she never breaks anybody's bones what is yeah. that about she like uses her bionic on those guys when she's sparring with them but yet doesn't break yeah. anything it's like is well, she's holding back they're like don't hold back don't hold back she's like okay and actually you brought up the pools of blood that's another problem i have with the show not so much the last episode i saw but there was one in like maybe two back where to me the tone of the show they don't quite have it they want it to be more realistic and more dark, but the one I'm thinking about is where she was uh, babysitting that important VIP's daughter, mm-hmm. and Katie Sackhoff was comes along, and she had all these one-liners and all these little remarks and jokes, and the tone, it just didn't match. It was like, what are you trying to be? Are you trying to be a snarky kind of show, or are you going for the more realistic thing? Because it didn't match up. I mean, a Joss Whedon show... Those were really good at having it be dark, but they could throw in the joke and it didn't seem like it was totally misplaced or did not belong. This one seems like they'll throw in some joke and it's like, it just doesn't seem like it's flowing together. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. In that salon with that girl, the fight should have been so quick. Again, you just, one connection with your boot into, you know, whatever those Ukrainian goons, wherever they were from, you kick him once in the nuts, drive his nuts up to his throat, literally, the fight's over. Mm Mm-hmm. I just, it's very inconsistent. And Katie Sackhoff, too. I mean, she, yeah. she was sparring with the guy as well. Yeah, Katie could have just ripped his head off and it would have been done with. These shows are clearly very entertaining for the group that they're probably most likely gearing it towards, which is the high school, college age, 20-somethings, I'm guessing. But I think that if the three of us and Jason, maybe, if we were executive producers of a TV show, I have a feeling very little people would watch it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it would be, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be like... It'd be so on the money, and it'd be so dark, and it would have to be some Showtime or HBO thing. It would never fly for a network television. I agree. All right. Enough of the Bionic Woman. I'm... Oh, but I could bitch so much more. Oh, God. Let's move on to Heroes, <laughs> another show we can bitch about. I just want to bring up a... There's an article in uh, Entertainment Weekly a couple weeks ago. It was a review of the series two so far, and I thought it was just really on the mark, and some of the plot developments have changed somewhat since this was written, but again, this is from Entertainment Weekly, and it was written by Julian Flynn. I'll just read like a couple sentences. It's funny. This week on Heroes, Claire continues to marvel at the same powers of regeneration she's always had. Hero does cute things in feudal Japan, and after a journey of approximately 42 million miles from one vague part of Central America to another vague part of Central America, our new haplessly murderous hero, Maya, is still blubbering for her twin brother and bleeding black goo from her eyes. Wait, which week is this? Every week. Claire is living undercover in California, and now her saint-like dad repeatedly is warning her not to be interesting. Mission accomplished. Uh, there's more, but it, that's kind of how it went. The ratings for this show are not so good. They had the worst ratings they had two weeks ago, and then last week, they did worse. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. they, they've actually... Really? Yes. They uh, have, wait, this week? This last week, they had... I don't know about this previous Monday... Uh, oh, okay. But ratings-wise, they're not doing very good. Because I have to say, this previous Monday was the best episode so far. Well, it's because they finally got around to introducing a larger plot of let's have something to go for instead of just everyone talking to each other or there's like a let's save They were the setting world. up for a very long time is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. 
Although, it's too much deja vu to me. Peter ends up in future New York, and what do you know? It looks devastated. Yeah. I've seen it. Play, uh, we need to go find that. this cheerleader. She's the key. Seen it. Wait a uh, minute. Did they say that? Yeah. yeah. Nikki Jessica is dying because she injected herself <gasps> Oh, he did say that, didn't he? Yeah, and oh, Bob yeah. says uh, you have to go find the cheerleader because she's got the regenerative powers. Well, but, isn't Claire just the luckiest but, girl in the world? But well, there's this David guy or Adam. Adam's Adam. going to be the new Slyther, I guess, right? Because he's so pissed I off. I love him. For 600 years, he's been brooding about the fact that Hero took his little Japanese girlfriend that wasn't even his Japanese girlfriend because he was a total drunk loser. And now you and know now what? he's waited 600 now, years to come to New York to yeah. kill Hero. That's a now long they time turned to hold him the in. They've turned him into Sark again. Yeah, he's Sark all over again. Yeah. Because Sark always had all these like little issues, and he was like this. Admittedly, he wasn't the ultimate mastermind on Alias, but he was really bad, and he was just evil. And now he's Sark again. But I love that he he does a good dark evil character. He does. He does, but I don't like the concept yeah, wh- behind it. Where's it going? I mean, like if he was a, a member of the first cabal of heroes, why didn't he hatch a plan? I mean, why why now? Why did? Yeah, if he's been a regenerative person. He should be way more powerful than just a guy crawling around in some warehouse looking for Peter. So are we saying he's been alive for some 500 years? Yeah. Is that what we're saying? Yes. So Claire could potentially be immortal? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Because if you can regenerate, that means what? Theoretically, you die and then you come back because you regenerate or you get your powers at a certain age and the regenerative powers prevent you from aging because aging is... Is Can we cut off his head and so, kill him? Well, I guess that could work. You could probably cut off his head and kill him, yeah. If Claire could, like, cut her toe off and that can grow back. I mean, we're going to go back to this whole thing that well, Jason brought up. If you cut the head off, will the body grow back? I, have, I have a feeling <laughs> no, because I'm thinking that you need your mind to generate the consciousness to regenerate your toe. And if your mind is cut off from your body, from, you know, the heart and the blood and the life, then I think that the power... To do that would not work. The whole Claire storyline, I'm so tired. There's a, I wish I could take credit for it, but there was a post on one message board where they kind of changed last year's slogan around. They said, kill the cheerleader, save the show. <laughs> I was like, yeah, kind of true. Because to me, the high school drama thing is, it just doesn't really fit. Like they had the whole head cheerleader thing, a very Cordelia-esque. Yeah. From, but it's just didn't fit in with the show. I want the show to be about something else. Her dad, too, is such a hypocrite. It's getting tiresome. I mean, he's going around. He's questioning people. He's killing people. He is bringing attention to himself in a huge ass way. He popped a cap in some guy's head, and she's got a boyfriend. You know? I wanted the dad to do something interesting, but I missed last season's ambiguity. Like, they just don't seem to have it. And Suresh... What a fucking idiot. I mean, he, he, I, 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 I'm, I'm, so, I'm sad that you said that first because I was going to wait till you finished your sentence and I was going to, I'm here sitting waiting to say, Suresh is such a pussy. I hate him. Oh my God. What a spineless piece of crap. Oh, well, I was working with Claire's dad and we had this plan and we were going to take down the company, but now I don't know what's right. Well, why are you telling me this? Because <laughs> I don't know. I just trust you now. Your head's so shiny. <laughs> uh, thank you for the gold cufflinks, by the way. Appreciate it. And then he, he's like, here's a gun. Well, do you have to kill him? Well, we have to do what you have to do. And he's like, 
Baha'i take picture up and he's like stroking it. He could have been like, I'm Indian. We don't believe in violence. I'm not taking your gun. Oh, yeah, come on. He picks it up like he's used one before. <laughs> he's such a doofus. Uh, Parkman, before I thought was a little just like this mousy guy. I'm enjoying his character now. He's kind of coming into his own, you know, mind battling back at his dad. And But Suresh, ah. Oh. He is my least favorite. No, well, let's just cut the twins out. He's my least favorite. I'm so glad that Hero is finally back in uh, current time. To me, that whole side trip, and even the very first episode of the season, I said, I hope this doesn't get... True punk. Yeah, it was just yeah but you had to do up. the side trip because you had to... It didn't have to be that long. And the other thing was they had the little bit where he's tied up and the daughter goes... They always underestimate us women. I, we're going to do it. I'm like, oh, 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 I think they're going to do something here. They're probably going to do it. And what does she do? She unties his bonds. I'm like, oh, God, that's the best you can do. <laughs> I was like, at least pick up a sword to hack it instead. I don't know. I was, I was or like, maybe she, like she could have had some power. Exactly. I was like, this is the time where they're actually going to have you her know, go, shing, I'm going to do something. And she's she, the Kessler Kenze. But you know what? She said... When they first got there, that because she was a sword master's daughter, she knew she had some skills. That's yeah. why they let her come along. And then they did nothing. <laughs> it was like they were purposefully mocking those of us who accused them of misogyny by going, no, we don't. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> Speaking of characters we don't like, uh, Nikki, Jessica, I don't know what to even say about it. I thought this thing was resolved last season. I don't know what they're doing with her. Killer. The one thing that's interesting is... We've seen Petrelli, Nathan, look into the mirror uh, twice now or see a reflection of uh, the demonic thing twice. I've always thought that was a reference to the Nikki looking into a mirror. And then a couple episodes ago, Peter had that tattoo, Mm -hmm. and then it faded away and it had that one symbol, Mm -hmm. which, of course, is what the Jessica had on her back. And so, it's on all those photographs. So, well, it's just the fact that Nikki, or was it Jessica, whoever, she had a tattoo in that shape and she does the reflection thing and so like twice in these two separate instances they've kind of re- referenced when, her. Um, when Nathan was fighting Parkman right. didn't Nathan see the burnt man in Parkman yeah and then uh, let's see they've brought back uh, Sulu and Uhura from the original Star Trek so far so I think all that's left to see is Leonard Nimoy as Siler's father and then we'll have the whole thing nicely tied into the uh, the new Star Trek movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or I can get you know Bill Shatner on there because he'll bring, bring the ratings the, up. Bring the ratings up yeah. <laughs> and the whole thing with like Parkman and Suresh being like the my two dads of that thing. <laughs> oh God, talk about laboring to get through a scene. I was just like, please let this end. They need to make improvements and quick. And I don't want the show to be canceled. But on the other hand, I'm somewhat. Well, it took I me- do have a little bit of glee that the ratings are what they are because I hope they get the message. Because well, it took me. Uh, I have a, I have a, a, a real functioning DVR now, and uh, it took me three days to watch Heroes <laughs> because I was like watching it. I was like, "Well, I gotta go do something now." And yeah. I paused it, and I was just like, oh, "I'm just not so jazzed." Now I know you need to go, but I'm gonna say real quick: Chuck rules. Chuck is great. Chuck is a great show. Love it. Yeah. I don't really want Monday because I don't really want to come back to work, but I want Monday so I can watch some more Chuck. Yes, I agree. But all the characters are just great, you know, like all of them. There are no bad characters. Even the bad, just made floor manager guy at the Buy More, <laughs> he is awesome. What a prick, but he's awesome. Yeah. You know, I give it an A. Plus. Okay. 
All right. I think that'll wrap up this episode. Next time, we will probably be talking about Razor. More Battlestar stuff to talk about. Our website is galacticaquorum.com. Email is gquorum at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. Bye. So say we all. Bye, Vince. Bye. We'll miss you. Someday you can join us. But not today.